0: and the punishment was too severe. What's wrong with you people?
1: Evangelical churches today are increasingly dominated by the spirit of this age, rather than by the spirit of Christ. But yet tragically, there are popular evangelical authors and conference speakers today who are teaching that justification is by faith alone, but entering heaven is not by faith alone. There are other conditions to be met. A what? No holiness, no heaven. You don't get into heaven by faith alone. You get justified by faith alone. You get into a position where God is 100% for you by faith alone, and in order to get into heaven, that faith must bear the fruit of love. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. Back to the Reformation.
0: It has been more than 500 years since the Reformation. The 21st century church has departed from the authority of scripture and the gospel. We welcome you to listen in as we go back to the Reformation.
1: The views of this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the churches the hosts attend. And welcome back to the Back to the Reformation podcast. My name is Matt Rosenblum and I am here with my co-host.
0: Onyxadion.
1: Oh, What's up, man? Hey, Matt. How you doing? Good. It's been an interesting time, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, getting way too familiar with my home and every nook and cranny.
1: <laughs> it's kind of scary. What have you guys been doing to keep yourself busy?
0: Um, family times, like board games and stuff like that. Um, I'm working from home, so right after work, it's just like, uh, I guess we can do some... Podcast prep, which I don't do unfortunately, I should be doing,
1: but uh, yeah,
0: um, no a lot of uh a lot of binge watching
1: <laughs> No, I hear you, ma'am. It's been interesting. I've been trying to catch up on some reading, and that's been really good, but sometimes you go a little stir crazy been trying to spend some time doing things uh, to get the kids busy and you know et cetera, et cetera. You know, doing some stuff around the house, trying to get some meals going that we haven't even made before. My wife made uh, chicken pho the other night, so that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I saw that uh, Facebook post. That was pretty cool. It looked <laughs> yeah. really good. Can't believe it was really good,
1: man. For first try, my wife was kind of disappointed with it, but I thought it was actually pretty good, man. She was I mean, disappointed with you? Better. She's always disappointed <laughs> with me.
0: <laughs> Ditto. I mean, no. My wife is disappointed with me. No, no, not that I'm disappointed with you. Just wanted yeah, to make
1: that clear. But I'm sure Marina is always disappointed with you.
0: <laughs> this is Confession right? Hour at Back to the Reformation exactly. Podcast.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's been interesting. I mean, there's been some good things about it, and there's been some bad things about it. Um, of course, you know, it's been trying a little bit at work. Um, Of course, since I'm in sales, and a lot of you guys out there don't know about our personal lives, but I am in sales, and there's really no new business right now at the moment, kind of just finishing up on what I already have, and um, that's about it. Hopefully, this thing will turn around rather quickly, even though Trump said today we're going to spend another month basically in the bunker. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. to do more po- more great to do more podcasts, but it kinda stinks, you know, aside from that.
0: Yeah, the end of April, right? That's what he said, twenty ninth or something like that.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's been great to um at the same time it's been great spending some time with some people who we haven't been able to spend time with. Um, gotten to know some new people. Um, so it's been cool. Yeah. Um it's been interesting praying with people online. It's been actually quite good it's been a blessing um and it's increased my prayer life which is a good thing because that's one thing i've struggled with in the past i think a lot of people struggle with praying consistently um -hmm. yeah how about you guys
0: what have we been doing as far as prayer uh well marina's got her schedule she's pretty faithful to it
1: every morning and uh he's like he's like we don't no, we don't pray
0: we pray when we have breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no um, yeah prayer life is uh, inconsistent but uh, it's it's there it's actually it is getting better because of all this believe it or not and uh, uh, you know the lord can use anything uh, to bring his uh, people closer so um, no,
1: to- totally
0: yeah so yeah it's just uh, i get up pretty early and uh, log on for work um, i'm in it um and so I can work from anywhere, which is great. And uh, so I'm on, yeah, I'm on the line and Marina's praying in the other room, which is pretty cool to
1: see. Yeah. Do they have anybody going into your office?
0: They have um, the those hands-on support personnel that have to be there for certain things. Like We still have servers mm-hmm. and stuff to maintain. So they have people yeah. there for that.
1: Well, and you oversee what security for IT for more than just your office, right? For the whole company.
0: Yeah, I'm in the information security group, so I can pretty much work from anywhere. I don't have my hands in the equipment, but I do work on some of the equipment. I, right. don't, I don't administer any of it not anymore. I did that for quite a while in the past.
1: Yep. So just for the audience. Onig and I have known each other for a very long time. We have known each other since high school actually.
0: Yeah, your senior so, year, wasn't it?
1: You were a sophomore and I was a senior. That's
0: right. That's right. you were the you were the old dude graduating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was the old I was the old man. <laughs> but
0: Yeah, so you were the we, you were the, the uh the uh, awesome drummer boy I knew of. <laughs> hey, do you guys know Mac? <laughs> right. He plays the drums really, really good.
1: Uh <laughs> You, you guys you guys were deceived even back then. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Let's go play some Metallica uh, okay. or something. Exactly. Ozzy had awesome.
1: long hair. I had long hair. I was in, those, <laughs> yeah, when were, when I, was, I had hair, I the, had long hair. Yeah. <laughs> those were great times. But, you no, know, we have known each other for a long time. And praise God, we both became believers. And actually, we became really close friends. And um, that is why we are doing this podcast now and we have come to the Reformed faith in the last uh, year or two and we felt the need to get this podcast started and to share these truths with you and to interview people who we think are important to get the information across to you guys so that's why we are doing this podcast it's not just you know to just to have fun which which it is but we feel there is a need for it and there are some really other informative podcasts but our emphasis really has been on just interviewing people who we find interesting and who have influenced us and that's been a blessing Um, and I just you know I want to thank people like John Fonville who has really become a mentor to me he's really become kind of the main mentor um, in this regard and introduced me to these reform doctrines Um, Also, Dr. R. Scott Clark, who we had on the first time, he's another one. Um, Can't get enough of his work on the Heidel blog. Also, the person who really got me into this, who I can really thank is uh, Marissa Namir, who has also been a guest on Theology Gals, along with Colin Sharp and Rachel Miller. Can't thank them enough, and I would encourage you guys to listen to The Theology Gals. And also, John Moffat and the guys over at Theocast, they've also been influential as well. But as you noticed, our podcast has mostly been interviews, and today Onig and I are going to be doing the podcast by ourselves, so bear with us, and hopefully we can introduce you to the doctrine that we're t- going to discuss today. Um, obviously, most of you have heard about this uh, slogan, it's, it's a sola from the Reformation, and we are going to talk about sola gratia, grace alone. So Onig what is grace alone and why is it so important today
0: well grace alone in the perspective of um god our salvation is that all things that um that are done to us that are beneficial for us is by the grace of god alone so therefore um the implementation of uh, God's salvific work in, in our lives, that's by grace alone, meaning that uh, it is unmerited favor. It's nothing that we have done to earn it. Um, right. So our salvation our salvation is by grace alone. Our faith that is gifted to us is by the grace of God. The very breath that we have is by, by the grace of God alone. Um, so sola gratia, that part of the... Um, solas um is is a bedrock that provides the purpose and the and the reason uh, and why and how god actually provides all the benefits to his children it, it is by his grace alone uh the catechism i forget which one i think it's heidelberg says merely grace <laughs> it's like simply grace just merely mm-hmm. grace that's all it is yep <laughs>
1: So now since you've covered the whole gamut, uh, thanks for listening All and right. uh, come back on to to us again. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yes, so grace can be defined as unmerited favor, right? And God's pleasure to us towards us, I should say. But the opposite of God's grace is God's wrath, which is his displeasure towards us. So I think that's an important way to think about it when we talk about salvation. So, like you said, grace alone means also God alone in salvation, right? He's the one who unilaterally, unilaterally does it. Right, because he's, he's the one
0: providing all of it, and therefore he's the one that does it by grace. He's the only one that does it. So,
1: Right. And so we talk about, you know, God's unmerited uh, favor towards us. And remember that... It's important to note that it's not an attribute of God, but it's actually an action taken by God, right? His, it, it, We can say it's actually how it's carried out. It's a reflection of who he is, of course, because he's having uh, a favor towards us. And he is actually being merciful towards us. We can put it that way as well. And so there's so there's different ways to look at it. We see we see grace through the atonement, and there's another there's another important point to it that we can see grace administered through the creation, through the created order, and that's a different type of grace. So we can define that is common grace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That even though people are depraved, right, they're born that way because of Adam, and Adam's sin is imputed to all people. But God doesn't destroy every person just because they're a sinner, even if they're in an unregenerate state. He has mercy upon them, and we can call that common grace. It's not salvific grace, but it's a common grace.
0: Yeah, the rain falls on the just and, the, and sinners as well.
1: Right. Exactly. Sense. I mean, look at and the fact that we can see common grace in action. I mean, there's great examples of it. We can see that everybody is not like Adolf Hitler. Right, People are actually merciful towards one another. You have unbelievers creating non-profit groups. They do it just like Christians do. Mm -hmm. So God does have mercy and restraint there as well.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of unbelievers out there that are much more moral than some Christians.
1: Totally, exactly right. I mean, I've seen some unbelievers put Christians to shame. I mean, look, just because there are atheists out there doesn't mean that all atheists are immoral persons some some of them very are they're just being inconsistent with their worldview
0: that's correct yeah
1: so that's that's an example of god's common grace now there is what's called um in covenantal terms the covenant of grace only why don't you extrapolate on the covenant of grace or you know what? Actually, before we get into the covenant of grace, I think it's important to get into um, the Adamic covenant or the covenant of works.
0: So you want to cover that or do you yeah, want to cover
1: that? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you talk about that?
0: Sure. Uh, okay, so the, the the Adamic covenant, as you mentioned, the covenant of works is, is basically just that. So it's a covenant where uh, God basically says, and I paraphrase, uh, do this and live. So Mm -hmm. if you do a certain thing and act a certain way, have obedience to the letter of the law, and God will repay you um, what you earned. So that is called the covenant of works. It's like going to work, let's say you have a job, and then working for your employer now your employer is indebted to you and has to pay you uh, on, upon the uh, agreed terms. So there are terms. there's a covenant. So yep, in this case, God makes a covenant with man, with Adam, says, uh, "You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but you shall not eat of this tree." And if he kept that covenant, God would have uh, repaid him with uh, eternal life. Some theologians call this the probationary period. And um, so, that's what we uh, mean. That's what we talk about when we uh, refer to the covenant of works. And then Hosea speaks of this covenant in Hosea six. Is that right? Hosea six speaks of this covenant. Yep. Sure um,
1: does. Like Adam, like Adam, they have broken the covenant. Is that yeah.
0: Correct? Hosea six seven, but like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously against me. So it refers to Adam, and it refers to a third group of people, and then how, uh, like Adam, these people have transgressed the covenant. And what does it say? They there they have dealt treacherously against me. So they've sinned. So um, mm-hmm. so it exists. Uh, lots of theologians would disagree with that. That there is no covenant of works. We would disagree. With them and we would say, Yes, there is a covenant of works and the Word of God does teach that.
1: And so that's right. what even that though is. E- even right, and excuse me, but even though the word covenant is not in there, you got all the aspects of a covenant there.
0: Right. All the aspects of the covenant are there, just like all the aspects of the Trinity are there in the Word exactly. of God. Exactly. And the word Trinity is not found anywhere. So that's exactly uh, right. Yeah, so that that's why we believe it. And actually the Hosea six seven does refer to Adam and does refer to a covenant. Does use the word covenant. So
1: Yeah, so we actually do have even exegetical or biblical precedent for that as well. But right. like you like you said, even if the word covenant was not there, all the aspects are there and there's many theological truths that we adhere to even though that name doesn't exist just like you mentioned with the Trinity, that example. Right. But it's very important to note though That where a lot of people do go wrong is they say that even in the covenant works, that that is a gracious covenant. And that is error because you didn't need grace back then. I mean, there was no fall at that point. right? They had not broken God's law at that point.
0: Right. They were actually able to keep it.
1: Yeah. They they were keeping it until that point. and then you have many people today who say no that the adamic covenant was gracious well i'm sorry but then you're confusing things then you're flattening the covenants at that point
0: right and what part of it was gracious when they were uh they were perfect creatures sinless creatures where had where did where was grace involved in regards to them living out their lives which is a, a natural uh in their natural state which would be sinless so how does grace apply here
1: Exactly, and God's grace would have to be carried out only where his wrath would be carried out, right? So, in other words, if God's wrath was on them at that point, which it was not, right, hypothetically, then he would have to, if, if he was going to redeem them, right, he would shed his blood for them, as we've seen all throughout redemptive history, um, then he would actually have to shed his grace um, on them, and to cover God's wrath to save them from himself right right
0: and you, you don't see any of that until Genesis 3 right right until the so, fall
1: so those are important things to know that um, there, there it starts with the covenant of works that is the kind of the foundation where all this uh, starts yeah you, you have to have an understanding of why man uh, needs God's grace why he needs to be saved in the first place, and that's the exact reason, because when it comes to the covenant of works, when Adam did not obey perfectly, and when Adam and Eve fell, look, God, their their sin was imputed to the rest of the human race, and that's why we are in the condition that we are in now. So it's very important to remember that. What is the scripture that points us towards the gospel in the old testament when we go back to the garden can you read that for us
0: yeah genesis three fifteen, 15 um, and i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the
1: heel so that is the proto gospel right so before the gospel was pronounced really in the um we see we see in the new testament where it's fulfilled We do see the gospel all the way back in the Old Testament, but we see it in fulfillment in the New. And it's been all throughout redemptive history because the covenant of grace, and that's what we would call it, would be a promise that would be administered through all the covenants after the covenant of works, right?
0: Everything is gracious after that point. Um, God's grace unmerited unmerited favor does become... um, God's, if you will, his M.O. going forward, Mm -hmm. and um, what we see in the um, Mosaic Covenant, how he brings the law back so that his people can understand not only his character, but their, their inability to keep the Adamic Covenant, the Covenant of Works.
1: Right. And even in the Mosaic Covenant, there's still a type of covenant of works, even though there was graciousness in the, in the Mosaic Covenant. But there was a republication of the covenant of works in the Mosaic.
0: Right. I mean, they didn't immediately die when they sinned, did they? Neither did Adam nope. and Eve. That's, where, nope. that's when grace started.
1: Yep. And another thing I want to point out is that all throughout the covenants, even when there were sacrifices for sin through animals, it was always by grace alone through faith alone you can see that in the abrahamic covenant as well that it was nothing that they did even the animal sacrifices didn't save them that was all pointing to something greater right the fulfillment in the new covenant, in christ himself on the cross but it's always been by grace and it's never been by works so when people try to make this false dichotomy between the Old and New Testament to say, well, in the New Covenant we're saved by faith, but in the Old Testament we're saved by works, that is false. That's heresy. So that's that's incorrect. So you need to go back and look at how people are saved.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, in after the fall, how, how can one say after the fall that man is saved by works? Um, where it's clear that none are righteous, not one, right? This is from,
1: I believe that was from the Psalms, right? Romans, Paul, Paul. Romans chapter 3, but yeah. it is a quotation of the Old Testament. Right? The Old
0: Testament, right. So Paul was quoting the Old Testament, and if that was the case, then yeah, they, they have it completely wrong. There is no salvation from works immediately after the fall because our very nature, uh, we as Ephesians uh, 1 or 2 says, uh, that... Our very nature, we are at enmity with him. So, yeah, it's by grace and grace alone.
1: Yep. So, the covenant of grace has been administered all throughout redemptive history, and these covenants are just different administrations of the one covenant of grace. And it even goes further, back even before time, where God had a plan to do this, and that's the Pactum Salutis, right? the uh, salvation pact between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can also see that in John 17, also known as the Covenant of Redemption. So there was a plan, even in an eternity past, for all this to take place, where God was going to come into history and redeem a people for himself. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right?
0: It is. It's, it's amazing. It's, um, it's mind-boggling. The, um, yeah. Just the idea that um this is all decreed from eternity past and that God may be glorified and so that He can redeem a people for Himself. This is all for His glory.
1: Yep. Um also you know I want to talk about um grace and um going back to the definition of grace and the different aspects of grace again between common and, and salvific grace and There's a great book by Carl Truman on this issue, Grace Alone, Sol Gratia. And Truman states, Grace is that aspect of divine action by which God blesses his rebellious creatures, whether through preservation, i.e. common grace, or salvation, special grace. It characterizes the manner in which he deals with those through the rejection of him as their creator and sovereign uh, deserve nothing from him and yet, whom he still chooses to bless. In salvation, in particular, the character of grace is manifest. A loving God, faced with the rebellion of his creatures, desires to bring them back into communion with himself. Beautifully said. Yeah, amen. He nails it. Yeah. Also, another favorite of ours, and a lot of favorite of others, who is kind of. The Yoda of reformed theology, we can say, is (laughs) Mike Horton. Oh, by the way, you guys got to listen to The White Horse Inn. I forgot to mention that. How could I have not said that at the beginning of the podcast? It's almost almost blasphemy (laughs) to, to to not mention The White Horse Inn or core Christianity for that matter.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so Mike Horton states in regard to common grace, Um, Common grace upholds fallen humanity in the sphere of creation, but not redemption. So common grace does not save evildoers, nor does it redeem art, culture, the state, or families. The covenant that God pledged to Noah after the flood was made with every living creature, animals, and human beings alike, to preserve the ordinary succession of seasons. Nevertheless, this covenant included no saving promise, it was a common grace pledge unlike saving grace common grace is limited to this world before the last judgment and will not stay the hand of justice on that dreadful day.
0: Wow, that's really insightful, yeah that's awesome Yeah,
1: so it's very important to make the distinction between covenant and saving grace where we can also say effectual grace as well but those are very important because they are not the same thing Right. Also, also there's um, The Westminster Confession speaks of how Grace is administered through the covenants uh, We were just talking about the covenant Of works, the covenant of grace That stems also from the covenant of redemption And uh, Onik, why don't you uh, show us how The Westminster com- uh, Confession speaks Of grace and how it's administered through the covenants Because there's a vast difference between the covenant Of works versus the covenant of grace as we've seen
0: Okay, so chapter 7 of God's Covenant with Man in uh, the Westminster Confession. It says, um, part 1, The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part which he has been pleased to express by way of covenant. And in part two, the first covenant covenant made with man was a covenant of works, wherein life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity, upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. Part three, man by his fall, having made himself incapable of life, by that covenant, the Lord was pleased to make a second commonly called the covenant of grace Wherein he freely offers unto sinners life and salvation.
1: Yeah, very insightful The Westminster Confession is very insightful in regard to these things I mean all of the reformed confessions and creeds are as well, but I thought that was noteworthy And um, in the Heidelberg Catechism question 60 um, How are you made right with God
0: it states only by true faith in Jesus Christ in spite of the fact that my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all of the commandments of God and have not kept any one of them, and that I am still prone to all that is evil. Nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, God grants to me the benefits of perfect sacrifice of Christ, imputing to me his righteousness and holiness as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful as if I myself had fulfilled all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me, if only I accept such favor with a trusting heart. Yeah, see the distinction there? Yeah, it's not the, just the taking away of sin, but it's the imputing of righteousness, right? So that I have uh, fulfilled God's law perfectly like Christ did. It's just amazing. Yeah. And he gives, it, he gives it to us absolutely free.
1: Yeah, that Christ actually had to obey the perfect the law perfectly in our place because we can't do it.
0: Right, he did say, I came to fulfill the law.
1: Yep. So. It, listener, it's important to realize the fact that even back in the garden, that God required perfect obedience. He didn't ask us to partially keep the law. He wanted us to keep the whole law and keep it perfectly and we couldn't we can't do it. Hypothetically we could not no matter what. And if and if you can do it go ahead let's see what happens right if you think you can. We don't merit uh yeah. Yeah, it's impossible. I mean you know all the people Yeah, no, I am just thinking of
0: uh, the rich and ruler he thought he kept it all.
1: Yep. and as we've seen before Jesus gave him the full brunt of the law and should have known that he couldn't do it. He has not kept any of it. Right. Go sell all of your possessions, right? Well, that's not enough. Selling all your possessions. And why is
0: it? Yeah, why was it his possessions? Why did Christ focus on his possessions? Because that was what was the rich and rulers' God.
1: Yep. Yeah. This is important. Grace is important to realize because sola gratia, sola gratia is all of grace, right? It's grace alone. It's what God has done for us and the fact of the matter is grace encapsulates all of our understanding of salvation he does it all when we talk about calvinistic soteriology we're talking about what god has done alone for us that he is the one who accomplishes it even faith is given to us it's a gift right we're saved by grace through faith through faith alone an account of christ alone that's important to remember when we talk about monergistic salvation right that God's doing it alone that's grace alone um, we can see that yeah. we can see that in Ephesians 2 8 uh, right faith is a gift from God
0: yep Philippians 1 one twenty nine. right
1: why don't you read uh, uh, why don't you read uh, Ephesians 2 8 okay Ephesians 2 8 and 9
0: uh, for by grace you have been saved So for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast.
1: Yeah. And it's it's important to note there that it's not of your own doing is a gift from God. Well, if that's not, well, if that's not grace, then I don't know what is. Right. If that's not him being merciful, I don't know what is. And so people might say, well, when you speak like that, it says, for we, you know, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand. But someone might bring up the objection in Philippians when it says, we work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it, it, but you have to keep on reading because it says in the next verse, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And going back to that Ephesians passage, which right. I actually was, my greater point was that even those good works are prepared for, they're prepared in advance, right? It says, Christ Jesus mm-hmm. for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. He prepares all of it. Right. He gives it, so, he gives all of it. So when we talk about Philippians, yeah, we have to talk about it in that specific context, but we see it in other verses as well. We have to take all of Scripture. So, Onik, you and I have hammered this as well where we've seen modern evangelical teachers um, talk about sanctification um, like it's something that we are doing and that once we're justified, uh, it's something that we do by ourselves. And it's up to us that we have to keep on working out our salvation and that God will accept us on that last day according to how much Fruit we've produced,
0: right? Uh, something uh, to do with uh, an initial justification, and then, then a final salvation. Something, right? Ratify. Two
1: stage views of salvation. People, people right. say, well, you might be beating a dead horse here, but here's the thing: is that, look, if you're a regenerate child of God, God is regenerating you. He's justify you mm-hmm. justified you he's adopted you mm-hmm. he's gonna sanctify you period end of story he's the one who sanctifies us we do not sanctify ourselves sanctification means to be set apart who's the one who sets us apart it's Christ Jesus he's the one who does that.
0: Amen. right who's the one that uh, changes us from glory
1: to glory right. God has sent his Holy Spirit he empowers us to walk in him. It's he's the one who empowers us to walk in him, right? He's mm-hmm. the one who empowers us to do those good works which God prepared p- beforehand. So, look, I understand people are concerned with Christians living holy lives. That's great. yay and amen. We agree with that too. Faith without works is dead. But our concern is this, that motivating people unto holiness by using passages that are concerned about apostasy to motivate people to good works is just uh, the wrong headed move you're not gonna you're not gonna move people into obedience by beating the law over the over their head let's just put it that way we're concerned about how contemporary uh, teachers are using passages to motivate people to obedience for instance um hebrews 12 a warning against apostasy. Um, why don't you quote that passage, Joni?
0: Sure, it's uh, Hebrews twelve fourteen. Uh, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification, also holiness, uh, translated with other um, versions of the Bible. Again, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So, yeah, so they use this passage as, like you said, as a warning to those. Who are not producing fruit, who are not producing holiness.
1: Or enough fruit, or judging the quality of the fruit.
0: Right, and they would come back and say, well, you know, we're not saying perfection, we're not saying a perfect life, a sinless life, because, right, because they'd be con- uh, contradicting John, where John says that if we say that we are w- without sin, we're making God out to be a liar, or we're, we're a liar, one or the other. So they're... They're going to say, yeah, no, we're not, we're not saying that um, you have to have holiness, perfect holiness. Okay, so then the question, that begs the question, how much holiness is required here? What level of holiness do you say we need in, in order to see the Lord?
1: Exactly. I'm, even, if they're, even if they're not meaning um, in that way and teaching a work to salvation, it comes off that way. Because why do they keep on using scriptures like that and keep on emphasizing it to motivate people to obey the Lord? It seems like they're using it as a warning that if there's not enough fruit, no final salvation. We've seen this time and time again. It's dangerous. And how does this tie into grace alone? Well, he's the one who sanctifies the sheep, right? He says my sheep will hear him they they hear his voice and they shall never perish period end of story and They'll he, follow him. Right. They'll never and perish. who is the author and finisher of our faith as it says in scripture god himself
0: Well, yeah yes guess, guess where that passage is right hebrews 12:2 the same pa- uh, the same chapter in which we get hebrews 12:14 pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the lord well, Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So you can't uh, translate Hebrews twelve fourteen in the manner uh, that you translate so that it, it, it reads as if we need to produce a certain amount of holiness to see the Lord. If yeah. in tw- Hebrews 12, 2, yep. you see that it is Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God.
1: Context is key, man. You can't use certain passages in that manner. You have to be careful because what you're gonna do is you're gonna give them the law when it's not intended that way. Apostasy passages apply to people who are actually in danger of apostatizing. You know the regular The, the struggling sheep, In the congregation remember I just said struggling right that person is gonna be robbed of their insurance that's not gonna be motivating man what that's gonna do is it's gonna drive them further into despair now we should take the passages that speak of apostasy very seriously I'm not saying that right because all scripture is profitable but again context is key the person who does not struggle is the person who we should be worried about. And even then it's up to the Lord, right? right? Even even them when they're disciplined, we do it because we love them. We don't want to see yeah. we don't want to see anybody depart from, from the faith. Look we are we're, we're disciple makers. We don't convert, right? We you know, we're in sales, we're not in management. And so, right, right. you know, so that, that's the way we have to, I think that we have to look at it, man. Let's let God do the saving. And you know, that's what we mean by, by grace alone. He's the one who's going to be, who's going to do the saving. He's the one who is going to uh, finish what he started. That's really important.
0: Look. So Matt, you're saying that God's grace applies not only to our justification, but also to our sanctification is by His grace alone. Exactly that we're that we're cleansed. That um, so there is some infusion of holiness in us in sanctification. Would you say?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm not afraid to say that. Yeah. Right, because yeah. God is the one who um, empowers us, right? Um, and, right. Right. He's the one changing us, there, giving us a new life. There heart. isn't. There's the means of grace too that we hear that through the through the preached word and through His sacraments mm-hmm. as, as well. Um, mm-hmm. People don't understand. Those are there's, those are visible signs of the gospel. We talk about the sacraments, um, that the the Lord or,
0: or ordinances, as some churches would say, right? Uh,
1: so you would have, for instance, Reformed Baptists or particular Baptists, um, we can call them, say that uh, they're ordinances. But I know other people who are Reformed Baptists who don't uh, don't shy away from calling them sacraments. I mean, they're means of yeah. grace. God uses them. They don't save us, right? In the, fa- in the same way that, um, for instance, that uh, grace or faith alone does, we're, when we're talking about salvation, we're not talking about salvation, but they are vital in our sanctification, which is, which is part um, of the whole process. But we don't merit God's favor through the sacraments. We don't have a sacramental view of salvation like the Roman Church does.
0: A synergistic view of
1: grace, if you will? Right. right, so th- somehow that we're working together, right, with God. Yeah,
0: with God's grace, we work together with God's grace, so that we're empowered to do good things. But it's still our work that's doing it that's making,
1: look, creating the change.
0: Yeah, that's not look. That's not it at all. No, it isn't.
1: The fact is, do we do good works, and should we spur one another onto good works? Absolutely, I don't have a problem with that. Amen. Yeah, I think we should. We should be concerned about um, what we do to please the Lord, right? We don't want to go around sinning, right? We should, you know, spur one another to good works. If your fellow brother is stumbling or, um, or struggling with something, you, or you see them not struggling with something, you should go to them because that's the loving thing to do, right? Rebuking a person in love is not an unloving thing to do, but it's a loving thing to do because you care about them. But you want to be careful because you want to love on them to restore them. That's how we, what's what we see in Matthew 18. It's not just to, to throw them out of the church because you, you want to get rid of them, but it's to restore them.
0: Yeah, it's for restoration. It's not, you're not, uh, you don't have the judgment seat of Christ. You're there for restoration.
1: And I think tying this back in the grace alone, look, we should be merciful towards one another in the body of Christ especially in those circumstances, because God has been gracious towards us. It's all of grace, ultimately, right? When we talk about faith, right, in regard to justification, the faith has been given to us as a gift. We believe, right, God justifies us. Then we are sanctified, and then we're glorified. But throughout the whole process, it's God. It's all God alone. It's grace alone. He's the one who does it. We're not going to be able to make it into heaven by ourselves, folks. That's not how we get there. It's by God alone. And we can we can have joy in that as well. And we can be assured um, of our salvation because we know that he is the one who's going to finish it.
0: Right. It's by his grace that we're saved. It's by his grace that we're changed. But, Matt, I mean, we participate in our sanctification, don't we? And don't I mean, we just don't sit idly by and wait for God or the Spirit of God to change us no
1: that's exactly right but we know what's happening right behind the curtain that he is the one who is making it all happen right and his providence it's all carried out right and is carried out in in such a way that yeah we are vessels but is him or is he who molds us we are we do we do good works like I said, I don't have a problem with spurring one another to good works, right? There is activity, and there will be. But ultimately, when we look back on it, it's God alone. It's grace alone. Yeah,
0: amen. Amen. It's that thankfulness that God is actually looking for. I mean, it's when Christ uh, healed uh, the lame, what do, they, what do they do? They were leaping for joy, you know? So they were joyful, and they were leaping. What does that mean? That means they were part they were partaking in that 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 healing that Christ gave them. Mm-hmm. By how how are they partaking in it? Well, they were able to leap, and so they started leaping. Right, <laughs> and so just like uh, just like the Christian, if the when the, once the Christian is saved and the Spirit of God is cleansing him, gave, gave him a new uh, heart and removed the heart of stone, gave the heart of flesh, and guess what? The Christian is going to naturally um, evidence the. Uh, the gifts of the spirit, right? And naturally, gonna, I mean, it's not—he's not, not going to do it perfectly. There might be a slower growth than others. Some might have a you know a faster growth. Some might fall back into certain sins that had been plaguing them their entire lives before they came to Christ. Yep. But there is going to be growth. There's always going to be growth because naturally a Christian um, will evidence that in their life, and that's where the church comes in when we talk about restoration. No, e- exactly eat.
1: right. Exactly yeah. right. It's look, it's all grace alone, it's his mercy alone. And he empowers us which is grace alone. We can't do it. Any credit that you know, that any any time we take credit, let's just put it this way. And we look back on something and we look at some transformative area in our life. Well, that's great. We want to see growth, and that's encouragement, right? That's in, that, that should encourage us unto good works. But that is all God's grace when we see that. And look, there will be transformation. There has to be because right? works are a necessary consequence right, of God's justifying grace.
0: But Yeah, amen. But, that's a good point. Right, it's a necessary consequence. They're a necessary
1: consequence. But remember, it's not the ground. Like I said, the evidence of those good works, you know, definitely aid in our assurance, but that's not ultimately where we look. We look to Christ alone for that. And why do we look to Christ alone? Because of grace alone. We couldn't look to Christ alone without grace alone. Right, amen. You know, so since we've looked at um, grace alone, Onig, how do you think that people can use this doctrine um, as a tool or to reflect upon it in their daily lives? How can we apply it? You know, we often talk about these heavy doctrines but um, how can we tie it into for people to use it practically?
0: Um, well, it's a doctrine of encouragement right? Cause, and a doctrine of um, uh, that allows the, the saint to rest because now they know that whatever is required of them to please a holy God has been given to them by that holy God, by His grace. So you know, to live their daily lives, they just go back and remember uh, this aspect of God and um, they, they realize that uh, the very breath that they breathe and they're able to, uh, to wake up in the morning and rise out of bed and, and move on is by God, God's very grace and his mere grace and, uh, which is just profound and yet simple um, it's encouraging um, they have to live by it day by day and, um, and they're, they're empowered by it because they no longer have to work at it right as some great great pastors have said they can rest in it
1: exactly exactly you can rest in it and the reason why you can rest in it and be assured is like do said, because of grace alone and the reason why we are speaking here today is because of grace alone the only the only reason you edify one another one another in the body of Christ is by grace alone so take comfort in this doctrine and let it spur you on to rest in Christ. Anyway, we hope that you've enjoyed another episode with Onig and I, and thanks for uh, bearing with us today. Is This is kind of our first solo episode, right, Onig? Talking about a very important doctrine.
0: Yeah, amen, solo episode. Um, sorry to disappoint, <laughs> just want to say that in advance. <laughs> sorry to disappoint again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, we hope this is a blessing. No, it's been a great yeah. man. It's been great talking to you. And, you know, catching up as well. And you know, again, let it spur you on to rest in Christ and and to uh, really serve Him and as best you can. And we can't do it without grace alone. Okay, right, thanks for listening. Uh, Onig, is there a way that the listeners can reach us?
0: Yeah, you can email us um, at info i n f o at bttrmin.org. That's an acronym for Back to the Reformation. Again, info at bttrmin for ministry.org. Info at bttrmin.org.
1: And we also have a Gmail address, correct? We do, and I don't know that one. Yeah, line. Back to the Reformation at Gmail.com. Yes. And we have. We also correct. have a Twitter account.
0: <laughs> yes, you can find us at bttrmin. Um, that's our Twitter handle. Is that what they call it? Yep.
1: And, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter. You know, we'd love to uh, have you follow us and um, get to know some of you guys out there and um, get to know our podcast and, uh, you know, s- tell other people about it. It'd be great. Uh, we sure appreciate that. As well as our, you can, uh, where, uh, you can log on to our Facebook page, right, Onig? And-
0: yes, just look for Back to the Reformation. You'll find it on Facebook. You can also go to our website, bttrmin.org, as well. Plus, you can find us on all the podcast uh, venues, Apple, Stitcher, and many more.
1: (laughs) Yep, And thank you for listening to another episode of the Back to the Reformation podcast, and we hope you join us next time for another episode. See ya. See ya.